to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host. Kathy. Uh, hey, Diane Hansen. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today? I'm great, despite it being 98 degrees in L.A. <laughs> Have you always been in New York, Diane? I mean, in uh, Cal- L.A.? Or you were here before, right? I, I came from Seattle. I've lived in Seattle. I lived in Mississippi. I lived in Pennsylvania. I went to New York in 1976. To uh, showing how impossibly old I am, to um, start my first uh, adult magazine. Uh, it was called Puritan. It was hardcore. We thought everything was going to go hardcore. So we started a hardcore magazine. And uh, I lived there until 2003. Now, who's we? You started it. Um. My boyfriend at the time, who is a hateful asshole, so I don't like to uh, call him out. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, yeah, he and I started it, and it just, that was my entree into adult publishing. After I uh, kicked him in the balls and left, I um, went on to work for other magazines and just started building my way up and made that my career. Right. You're on my show because I have a lot, I call them my hosers, right? I have a special thing on my Patreon just for guys who are really into pantyhose. I call them my hosers, my guys who are into Mm -hmm. pantyhose. We're all talking about this leg show magazine, leg show this, leg show that. And then somebody sent me in a leg sex magazine. And then I'm like, and everyone's like, no, but I love leg show because, you know, Diane this and Diane that and the woman who ran Mm -hmm. that, she had these letters that she wrote and she had these intros. I mean, I can't, she had the best fucking legs I've ever seen. And And then, small world, I have a friend named Andrew Einhorn who has been on my show as him, as himself, right? And he was telling me... a lovely, lovely man. Totally. And he was telling me, oh, I know this woman over... Is it Tashin? Is that how you say it correctly? Tashin, yeah. Yeah. Tashin, and she did something with legs, and I just, all of a sudden, one day I put it together. I was like, wait a second, is the woman you know, the infamous Diane Hansen? I said, because... You know, my patrons, my hosers have been talking about her and they can't get enough. I would love to get her on the show because, you know, and then I did a deep dive on you and I was super impressed because, I mean, you're a little older than me, but in my generation, mm, or when I'm we were, a bunch older than you. <laughs> still, like 10 years, right? Or or maybe more. I don't know. I'm 52. I am 69 years old now. But I have a 24-year-old boyfriend. Oh, so, uh, you know, that. I don't know where to start with you, Dan, because I was just going to talk about how the fact that you became so successful in, Mm -hmm. you know, as a woman back in that day, you know, like at my age and my generation, you know, I'm always like, listen, if a woman is super successful, you know, she's extraordinary. You know, it's a lot easier for a guy back in the day to be, you know, I know guys that make half a million Mm -hmm. dollars and run companies and they don't have half a brain and they didn't really work that hard. 
Often it's just excess confidence, you know, if like that's why psychopaths do so well in some occupations Mm -hmm. because they have, they have no fear. They have no problems with how other people are going to perceive them. They are absolutely focused on what is best for them. Right. The narcissist, right? Unfortunately, yeah, that uh, works really well in capitalism. (laughs) Yes, but for women to be as successful as you and, we're, you know, is mm-hmm. it says something about who you are, right? But uh, the fact that you just also said that you're... I thought you were married. When I did a deep dive, it said you were married to Robert Crumb, which is, like, a, amazing and crazy. I didn't no, see that. No, 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 no. Oh, that's great. No, no, I love him. He's a wonderful person. You weren't married to um, him? No. Okay. No, no. I was married to an English novelist, Jeff Nicholson. Right. Uh, we were together for 21 years, okay. and that ended four years, five years, no, three and a half years ago. Um, yeah, everyone told me I was crazy. People were always just telling me that I was crazy and I was going to regret things. You know, they said this when I left Seattle. They said, and they were right when I moved to Mississippi. Yeah, they were, uh, that was not a good move. But uh, everything was always, oh, don't go to New York City. You're going right. to regret it. Oh, don't get into porn and use your real name. Yes. You're going to regret it. Everything I did, people told me I was going to regret it. But when I got into porn, it was such a perfect fit that, you know, everyone's like, oh, what fake name are we going to use? Everyone's, oh, you got to have a fake name. Yeah. And I thought, no, if I use a fake name, I will not truly commit to this career. And this is the career I want. So I'm going to use my real name. And that, that will free me to make it a career. Right. You see, you're better than I am. That's why I used a fake name for my show because I was so, I truly believed it was going to suck and I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. So, you know, you were the opposite. (laughs) Like you said, it's the confidence, right? I I wouldn't say confidence. I, I can't say, I can't, it's not that I'm aggressive. It's not confidence. It was just being unafraid to take chances. Right. Being unafraid to do something that I might have to undo. You right. know, they always say that you don't truly succeed without failure. Mm-hmm. And so I was willing to fail um, and just went along and took opportunities. I'm more than anything, I'm an opportunist. When it was there, I was working as a respiratory therapy and a therapist in a hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania, when I met this guy who was going to start a, a porn magazine. Mm-hmm. And I had a good job, but I'm like, oh, that'll be a lot more fun. And so I left my job to do that because it was going to be more fun. <laughs> right. And it seemed like... Enjoying your life and having fun should be the top priority. And the same thing, I'm going to use my real name because I'm enjoying this. I'm going to take the risk of making this a career. I went through many different magazines, and in 1994, while I was doing Leg Show, which was my best magazine, you know, the the one that really defined me and made me successful, Yeah. 
um, I met my biggest fan who lived in Cologne, Germany, and that was Benedict Taschen. Major, right. That's a major connection. Maybe you didn't know at the time, yeah. right? Yeah, I didn't know, but he started, he would come over about once a year and try and talk me into working for him, and I'd say, no, no, I'm very devoted to my leg show work, to my leg show fans, but I just kind of kept him in my back pocket, you know, knowing that this was always there, and when my publisher died, and the mob took over and, uh, you know, told me that I wasn't going to be in control anymore. I was going to do what they told me to do, and they were going to break me. I just called up Benedict, and that was it, you know, and I walked away from it. And people warned me against it, and I felt really bad leaving my fans, but that was, you know, that was what I had to do at that time. I just took that leap. And I moved to Los Angeles and took that leap. The the things that stop you were like the, the failures or the hard times, you just keep plowing through, right? And you're just moving forward. Well, once you've done this a few times, once you've made a few big leaps mm-hmm. and survived, mm-hmm. it takes the fear away. Right. It takes the fear away. It's just like, you know, I was with a man for 21 years. I was in my mid-60s. And I kept saying, no, I can't leave, I can't leave. It's a bad situation, but I can't leave. And then, you know, one day I said, of course I can leave. I have left things before. Right. I have moved on before. I have made massive changes before. I will... I will risk this. I I will believe that I will be okay. If I never find love again, I believe I'll be okay. If I, uh, you know, I believe I can actually date. And everything turned out great. Yeah, you're 69 with a 24-year-old. How long soon after did you meet your boyfriend? How long have you been with him for? Um, we've been together a little over two years. Um, I, in the beginning, I was down on love. I wasn't interested in finding a boyfriend. I went on uh, dating apps, and I said, oh, okay, I'll go on these ones for older people, you know. And oh, my God, silver singles, find, yeah. Yeah, I'll try and find somebody my own age. Yeah. I looked at every man on these sites, and I, I'm like, None of I can't imagine being with any of these men. Right. Uh, I can't imagine being with a guy who's retired and wants to talk about his grandchildren all the time. And I didn't see anyone who who was really compatible with me in my life. Mm-hmm. So a friend uh, said, "Well, just go on the regular dating apps and take off the take off the age filters. See what happens." And immediately when I took off the age filters, everybody contacting me was under 30. No way. So, yeah, yeah, you know, from 18 to 30. And I had real pictures, unretouched pictures. I said, you know, said my truth. And hundreds, hundreds of guys were swiping on me. So I'm like, okay, I'll just date these guys. And I dated a bunch for a year. And I, I went out with the best-looking men of my entire life in that year. Oh, my God. Better-looking men than I went out with when I was young. Right. More attentive, kinder. 
more more adoring men than I had ever gone out with in my life. It was unbelievable. And uh, and then, yeah, after a year or so, I met my boyfriend, and he wanted a relationship. He didn't just want hooking up, so... And so when you were dating was, all those guys that were super young, you know, for you, were you just looking at mm-hmm. them as like, oh, this is just going to be someone that I sleep with, right? Right? Or were you looking for like, you know what, I could date someone this age, like, that's totally fine. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. to you. Um, I was, I was, yeah, I was just kind of looking to hook up, but yeah. also... Uh, just to see what it was, mm-hmm. you know. I'm a, I love to research, so I was I got curious about researching, and then because it was so easy, I start. I said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to not filter anything. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to look for oh, I'm going to find some tall white guy. Yeah. yeah. Let me go out with the full spectrum. Let me go out with Asian guys. Let me go out with Latino guys. Let me go out with black guys. Let me go out with short guys. Let me just see what life is like and it was it was fascinating and then I I also because I needed you know I needed emotional support I went on a cuddle site called cuddle comfort that hooks people up for non-sexual affection what what is it called what is it called cuddle 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 comfort cuddle comfort and on there i immediately i signed up for this and within two minutes of posting my profile i was started to be flooded by men wanting to cuddle and uh, in my usual research mode i selected four Uh very different kinds of men Uh and saw them you know, one day, you know, just one after the other. Um, Monday, this guy. Tuesday, this guy. And out of that, I met uh, Sissy Kimmy. Sissy Kimmy. I know that name. You were telling me, like, this is somebody that you know. So, because that's someone that I met, I think, on Instagram. He's going to be on my show, right? Am mm-hmm. I correct? Yep. And yes, so, did you I cuddle with Sissy Kimmy? Did S- Sissy Kimmy must have known who you were? I cuddled with Sissy Kimmy for about three months, and oh we had a really great, supportive, yeah. uh, affectionate uh, relationship that was, you know, really just affection. But let me ask um, you this, because you're, listen, all my guys that are that are my, on my Patreon, you know, on the, t- the pantyhose tier, you know, they all know exactly who you are. Do you think, because mm-hmm. I feel like Sissy Kimmy wears hose, right? I mean, is that, did you, yeah. do you think he was like, oh, that's Diane Hansen from Lake Show Magazine. Did he, did he know who you were or was it just coincidence that this guy met you? Um, it was coincidence. In right. the beginning, uh-huh. he figured it out fairly quickly. Um, he must have been so he, excited. <laughs> he, he's, you know, he's able to keep his feelings in somewhat. Uh, it took us a while to get open because yeah. in the beginning, really, we were just getting together and hugging and we would lie on the bed just quietly. We would not speak, just lie there and embrace. And, you know, kind of our breathing would, would get regulated together. And, uh, 
it was so calming. It was so soothing. It was like a massage. It was like therapy. Um, What's wrong I mean, with me, the- though, that that would be the most uncomfortable? Like, you know, it, it really just goes to show that everyone's so different, that maybe you're just more open or uh, to, to be able to you know, re- not only be comfortable in that kind of experience, but really take it in and get to the point where it's actually benefiting you and you feel so comfortable. You must be very open, you know, and accepting and have a very open heart because I feel like that could be a very uncomfortable situation for a lot of other people. That would be very uncomfortable for me. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting that you say it. It, I didn't know how I was going to react with the first right. person. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 very first person I met um, that first day, yeah. you know, he was one of the first people who contacted me, and I, I said, okay, let's just get together right now. So within an hour of joining, I met this first person. And the hard part is that initial embrace. Right. You know, just just stepping towards a stranger and yeah. putting your arms around them. And yet as soon as as soon as the contact was made, it was just warm and soothing and I could just relax into it. Um I only had a couple of bad experiences with cuddle people. Um one guy who just smelled of old stale alcohol oh, and was kind of trying to hump my leg and, you know, I just, eh, okay, no, you go home. Um, but it's also, I think, who I was picking. Again, I was picking kind of shy, young guys, um, guys who guys who were cuddling because they were uncomfortable with dating, mm-hmm. because they had reasons to hold back from women, and... Uh, you know, so that they weren't going to try something else. I saw that there were people regularly blocked on the cuddle site who had agendas and who were, yeah, for sure. you know, trying to get more out of it. But um, the strangest thing that I learned about the cuddle site was that the majority of females on there were professional cuddlers who charged money for it. Oh. And that kind of emotional prostitution seems the to me just like kind of the most heinous thing possible <laughs> that you have you have these desperately needy people yeah, who yeah. want affection and so they're just paying someone a hundred dollars an hour to to give them a little affection I would think you know for the girl that's doing it the prostitute that's doing it in that sense right there's pro it's probably not as gratifying it's it's hard to say because I did cuddle a couple of guys who had been to professionals. Yeah. And they they said they had good and bad experiences. Right. Okay. And that, you know, some of them were very nice and very warm, but there was always the awareness that, that yeah, you know, it wasn't so mutual that they were... It was like going to a shrink, and the shrink is, you know, always saying, oh, that's too bad. And then, oops, your time is up. (laughs) See you next week. Yeah. Um, That there's always that clock going. Um, I actually left the cuddle site because it became so overrun by the professionals 
that men were contacting me all the time and saying, how much do you charge? And it just changed the, uh, the, the, yeah, the feeling of it, the nature of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with the, even with the dating apps, I, I started just experimenting with it in other ways, like looking for people whose profiles looked really sad, that looked like they, they just needed somebody. They needed somebody to talk to. They needed, I, in fact, uh, contacted a, uh, a foot fetishist on there. Uh-huh. And... I mean, he was somebody who'd swiped on me, but he made it clear that he was a foot fetishist. Yeah. And so I started communicating with him and, you know, told him who I was and said, what kind of reaction do you get from women like this? And we had a long, long, uh, you know, text uh, friendship that grew out of this where he, because I was the only one he could talk to about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I have all those people are all calling into my show and they get four, you know, they get an hour with me. And I have to say it's sometimes it's hard to cut that cord because they want to continue that, right? Because it mm-hmm. is sometimes they don't have a lot of people who will listen to them non-judgmentally, right? Especially, I think men definitely, what I hear a lot is like, they love the fact that I'm a woman and I'm super non-judgmental to the things that they tell me. And, I, you know, I really only ask questions that I'm talking to them because I'm just very curious. Um, so, and I think that men appreciate that because it, that's not always the case. They're really, you know, they, they're really looking for a woman that they could be honest with about their stuff and she's going to be cool with it. So for a foot fetish guy to find someone with you, not only are you non-judgmental, I mean, you know, this was something that you devoted a lot of your life to, right? I mean, how did you get in that mindset at Leg Show Magazine to write all these great, in, I don't know, was it an article that you wrote in the beginning or was it an intro to the magazine? I, I, yeah, it was, it was an opinion piece that oh, right. was in the beginning. It was a two-page spread every yeah. month, and I would have some photos. Uh, I, I learned early on not to show my face because yeah. I got recognized on the subway. I got recognized on the street. I had um, a couple of people who lurked around outside my office waiting to accost me. Uh, so I, I got careful with that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so that's why your face was um, hidden. That's somebody asked that about that or said yeah, that, that was the case. Okay, yeah, that's it was. It was to protect me. Mm-hmm. It was to protect me. Um, it all came from the letters when I came to Leg Show from another magazine, which was in December nineteen eighty eight. I think though it could have been December nineteen eighty seven. It's been a long time. Um, I came in, you know, and was told, "Oh, okay, you're gonna you're gonna take over Jugs and Leg Show and another magazine that quickly died." And uh, I'm like, "Okay," so I'm sitting in my office, you know, just looking it over, getting familiar with the magazines. And guy walked in with this huge cardboard box, and he said, "Oh, I guess you're probably gonna want the Leg Show letters too." And he dumped this box on my floor. Mm-hmm. There was no box of Jugs letters, but here was this giant box of letters that they had been receiving, and many, many multi-page letters explaining in detail what they wanted to see in the magazine. And I saw, okay, these are fetishists, and they are a different breed than what I've been dealing with up until this point. And 
I read every one of these letters in the box. They were just fascinating. They were well-written for the most part. And they provided a template for me to make the magazine successful. Because when I came, it was every other month. It had a tiny readership. It was completely misguided. Uh, It was being made by a couple of men who just had no idea, didn't care. They were picking photos because they thought they were funny. Um, And when I saw it, I just saw the potential. I saw that that these men's needs were not being met anywhere and that there were a lot of them. So I began uh, working with my photographers and using the letters as a guide. Let's do a photo shoot that involves this. Let's do a photo shoot that involves that. They knew that stockings were popular, but nobody had clocked that younger men liked pantyhose. Right. So... I, I said, okay, we got to do photo shoots with pantyhose. No photographer wanted to do photo shoots with pantyhose. They were certain that wow. nobody wanted it, nobody would be interested. Also, at that time, they thought of second rights. There were lower-level magazines that you know only bought photo sets that had already been published. Yeah. So they knew they were not going to get any second rights out of these. Um, it was a real hard push in the beginning, but... When when I started giving them what they wanted, the sales just like doubled in a six-month period. We were able to go monthly very quickly. The letters, the letters doubled. You know, people, were, people couldn't believe it, that I was actually giving them what they wanted. And you so were listening I, to them. I mean, that's really what I it was, was, right? Because I was wondering, how did this woman know, right, you know, mm-hmm. how did she have that mindset, right? It was like you, that's how you took it and you made it really successful, right? You obviously knew what these guys yeah. wanted. I was wondering, how did you know as a female, right? You don't have that fetish, but yet you were in their heads, but you it was because you had their letters and you listened to them. I listened to them, but also I've, I've been interested in and curious about sexuality since yeah. childhood, you know, since a really early age. And I would... Uh, when I was 14, uh, I used to hang out in the local library in my Seattle suburb and found that there were research books in the library that you weren't allowed to check out, right. but you could read them there. And I found uh, Psychopathia Sexualis uh-huh. that listed all these sexual aberrations, you know, filtered through the lens of Victorian Germany. And... Um, and read about fetishes, so I knew about fetishes. Right. You know, I was well aware of it. Plus, my first husband was uh, a transvestite, so I knew about that. Uh, I knew his interests. I saw right away that I could relate to these people, and I saw right away that I was, you know, <laughs> that I was going to be able to give them more even than they hoped for and more than they expected. I could see, I mean, an interesting example, there was a guy who who wrote about, he collected pictures out of magazines where women would have their hands kind of loosely cupped uh, in, their, in their laps. Yeah. Like a woman, you know, there, I'm, you know, doing it now just with your hand kind of pointing up and the fingers folding in, which is a natural position for your hand to lie in. 
when he saw that, that looked like a woman was indicating she wanted him to masturbate, that it looked like she was holding her a penis. Right. And I'm like, that's great. Let me experiment with this. Let me have the models do this and see what response I get. Huge response. Crazy. Other people saw it the same way. Yeah. And so then it became it became the jerk-off sign, you know, the model's giving you the jerk-off sign. It means she wants you to masturbate. Because my wow. readers were my readers were masturbators. Right. You know, they weren't they didn't have women who they could talk to their fetishes about. Yeah, talk well, ab- look at the time you were doing about it their fetishes yeah. with. Yeah. They they experience their fetish lives entirely by themselves through masturbation. And through your magazine. This is why they all still remember you, Diane, I'm telling you. But they were ashamed of their right. masturbation. They were ashamed. They felt like if they were real men, they would be out getting laid, you know, like they showed them on, in Playboy. They would be Playboys. And they felt right. less than real men. And so I really focused the magazine on making masturbation an acceptable, perfect alternative. You mm-hmm. could you could have a happy sex life by yourself. Right. You didn't need to have a partner to have an active, enjoyable, happy sex life. Right. I have to say, when I did a poll, like leg show or leg sex, and it, leg, it was leg show. I mean, they preferred it, and I think it was because you were running it. And you... Well, yeah. The other ones were all imitators. Yeah. There were no other leg magazines when right. I took over. And the mark of my success was around 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, competitors emerged, but they were all men. There were no other women doing it. They didn't get it. They had contempt for their readership, which is true of most adult magazines or you know was true right. that they were made by straight men who were earning their money helping other straight men masturbate and they didn't feel good about that right i as a woman was happy to help men masturbate <laughs> right. i didn't have any i didn't have their issues with it but you're also listen you're also a little bit different because you also said like when you were looking on on the dating site and i still want to get back to how you met your 24 year old and get into that too but you said when oh, you were on there so you great. looked for people you know that had like a more lonelier profile i mean you do like to help people i think you know i mean you i do are, like to help people yeah. it's true it's a part of who you are just innately, right? It's And that came yeah. through in that magazine. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Yeah, yeah, it's 
at a previous magazine, um, they used to call me mom because, you know, we'd go out in photo shoots and I was always the one saying, you know, you got to drink water. Come on, you're getting dehydrated. You know, I always tried to take care of the models. Um, right help them with their lives, uh, help to guide them into better paths if they were taking the wrong paths. Yeah, I have that in me. And the appreciation that I got from the leg show readers was pretty overwhelming. I mean, I would uh, I would get 100 letters a day sometimes, right. just guys sending letters, guys sending gifts, guys with questions, and, you know, I tried to help as much as I could. I have to say, one um, of my guys were like, you're talking to her soon, like, can you please ask her, like, how I could get in t- touch with her? Is there any place, does she have a blog? Does she have a Patreon account? Does she have any place where, you know, we could talk to her? Do you have anything like that set up, or would you be interested in that? Because not, you would do well. Uh, I mean, people would be I into can, it. I am on Twitter is the only social media I'm on, okay. but I'm just all deep into politics on there. Right. But you, don't, uh, you don't revisit that whole thing because if you ever wanted to, I mean, like I, there is uh, those same people that you spoke to and that you were helping mm-hmm. and that were writing to, they still exist and they still, and I they're, lo- they don't have, they have, they haven't landed any place else. Do you know what I mean? They're just they're, you know, I know, they're out there. They, I they're know. still looking. I mean, I, they find when they find me, I get those same letters and that that same kind of thing because it's just like some place for them to sort of be who they are. They have somebody that is accepting of them, you know. And I try to create this community, but there are so many of them that would, it, with your name I and know. your history. I mean, listen, you're always reinventing yourself, and I love that about you because I think as long as you're alive, like, change it up, do whatever. That's what life is about. Never let age stop you, right? Because that's when it's all over, right? That you decided to get divorced in your late 60s. You're dating a 24-year-old. Like, start a fucking blog maybe one day. But I'm just telling you that audience, those people, your guys are still out there, and nobody has filled that niche. You know what I mean? It's it's, They're yours for the taking. I know. I know. I felt so bad having to leave them, and it really kept me there, you know, past the time when I should have left. But right. as I say, when the mob came in, you know, and took me in a locked room and scared the shit out of me, right. I was like, okay. I faked a nervous breakdown in order to leave my job because I, they ordered me to take over all the magazines. I was going to do everything, and I feared that they would retaliate against me if I didn't do what they told me to do. Right. So, you know, I just, over the period of a month, I faked a nervous breakdown to make it seem that I was not going to be useful for them. Right. And then I grabbed all the... All the leg show wardrobe, I still have most of it. All I have all the stockings. I have all the high-end pantyhose. I have the shoes, um, the garter belts. I took everything and um, just got out of there. Wow. Now, did you did you love all your all that stuff too? I mean, I know that you know you you show up at this magazine and that these people become your people and you're helping them and you realize all this mm-hmm. from these letters. But did you always like pantyhose before? Did you get into them while you were there? Like, did it become a fetish for you, quote unquote? I don't know. 
Women are very seldom prone to fetishes. It's right. differences in the male-female mind. I think a lot of it has to do with our brain organizations that <laughs> men think about things with one part of their brain at a time and they have a kind of laser focus, you know, right. because they're only using that one part of it that, that can make it obsessional, whereas women um, use multiple areas of their brain for every thought so that it's more diffused and therefore less intense usually. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a fetish, but I you know, I always enjoyed dressing up. I enjoy the look of it, feeling sexy, knowing the effect, seeing, you know, guys' eyes dilate, yeah. seeing you know, his dick get hard just because, oh, my God, look how sexy she is. You know, that's a wonderful feeling. Um, and it, isn't it weird, and I'm sure you heard this because I'm sure you've had conversations with these guys because I hear it all the time that, you know, a lot of them are with partners. And I'm always like, it's such an easy thing to do, right? If you're with a partner, and they're mm-hmm. like, this is what gets me off. And all you got to do is put on your pantyhose. I mean, some guy's not saying, oh, you got to deep throat me and swallow my cum every day at 4 p.m. You know, that might be a little hard, but just to put on a pair yeah. of hose, if that's what really rocks his boat, it's a pretty easy thing. Yet I have so many guys tell me that their girl sees it like, but you're getting turned on by the pantyhose, not by me. You know what I mean? Like they don't... They don't, they, they <laughs> see it, like they, for some reason that they're against it. And that's what I hear a lot, which is kind of crazy, no? Well, yeah. People, people will sabotage their own happiness. People will, you know, this is just like people who go into their partner's computer and search for porn and then they find porn in there and decide he must be jerking off to other women, you know, or look, he's got porn of women that don't look like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all these things, they just search for ways to be unhappy. We all have fantasies. We all yeah. have different things that turn us on. We do not need to share our sex lives. We ha- they're called private lives for a reason. Right. We have a right to that kind of privacy. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if, the, if you put on the pantyhose and the guy gets really turned on, just... Take it for what it is. Yeah. Take it and use it and get your pleasure out of it and don't question it. Now, if he stops having sex with you and starts just wearing the pantyhose himself and masturbating, then you have to have a talk because that's impacting your happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, then you have to you have to work that one out and reach a you know, a a point that you can both live with. Um, maybe you don't want to see him in pantyhose, then he does that by himself. You know, he can do that at another time. But he then, when you have sex, he has to do the things for you that you want. Right. Instead of, instead of like, you know, getting upset at the other person for expressing their sexuality, you need to express your own sexuality. A lot of women expect a man or a woman, if they're with a woman, they expect them to intuit what they want right. and do it. You know, I hear this all the time. Men are like, why won't she just tell me what she wants? Why won't yeah. she tell me? And then the woman will, well, if you love me, yeah, you, would you would know, know. what I want. <laughs> That's not how it is. No. Just tell him. Right. Say what you want. 
there's nothing that excites men more than a woman demanding to have her sexual needs met. Totally. I was very um, promiscuous when I was younger. Guys always thought I was really good in bed. And I think it was just because I really was thinking about myself. Right. And that's what they like. And that makes you hotter and sexier. And, you know, and it was I always felt like it was like I was selfish. But, you know, in a way, it 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 turns that other person on. Right. Absolutely, it turns men on. Absolutely. You know, they want direction. This was one of the things. I wrote all the the copy that accompanied the um, model Uh photo shoots in Uh my show. So not only did I write the thing in the beginning, I wrote all that copy that they were jerking off to. And the I would have the women, you know, who were me, I would have the women give them instructions, masturbation instructions, what they wanted them to do to oh. make them happy, and they just loved it. Most men, you know, men come almost 100% of the time when they have sex. Right. Women come like 30% of the time. Right. Men know this. Men have, and when when it's made them just the man's task, this is an arduous task, and men are... Men are performance-oriented, you know, they want to win, they like sports, they want to be on the winning team, and they want to know how to make that woman come. They want to be the winner. And if the if you're only coming with your vibrator, tell the guy that there is nothing better than having intercourse with a, with a vibrator at right. the same time. Right. You know, this is great. And most guys will love it. Because they want to be successful, like you said, and they want that to happen. How did you, with your first guy, because you said your first husband was a transvestite, right? I mean, did you know this going into the relationship? Did this come out later? Were you, I guess it was, you married him while you were involved with the magazine, so he knew that you... Oh, no, no. My first, uh, I got married the first time at 18. Oh, my first, yeah, I was I was an emancipated minor, 17 years old, when I met him living uh, in a little storefront in Seattle, and he was 10 years older. Okay. Uh, yes, he very quickly revealed uh, that he liked to get dressed. Okay. Uh, I think the biggest thing that attracted him to me was the fact that we wore the same clothing size, you know, because I'm right. tall. And um, I just thought it was cool and edgy, and this was like a secret thing that we both knew about and nobody else knew about. Right. Uh, I would help him shop for shoes, you know, I would go, because his feet were a little bigger, I'd say, oh, I like to wear really heavy socks with my, uh, you know, heels, yeah. and uh, so just give me a, a size bigger. They'd say, no, this doesn't fit. Oh, no, I want it a little bigger. Um Yeah, but he very quickly uh, stopped wanting to have uh, sex with me, and it turned out, and I only knew this after we separated. We were together four years. I only, after we separated, he revealed that he considered himself transgender, and 
you know, he didn't really want to have sex with a woman. Right. What he wanted was for us to be best friends, but, um, yeah, it was way too late for that. So that was one of the things that taught me about communication. Right. You know, you have to talk about these things. You have to be able to share what's really going on. Right, because you had a break, and it was because something was going on that, I mean, you didn't know. I mean, like you said, it, I mean, you said it before. If the you know, if the woman sees that he's not having sex with you anymore, and he's just wearing his hose, like then you have to have a conversation because that happened in your relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it happened in my relationship, and and I would, uh, you know, we'd go to bed together in the same bed, and I would be there and, you know, pretend I was asleep and he'd roll over and be jerking off thinking I was asleep, you know, oh, wow. um, but refusing to have sex with me. So it was very, very destructive to my self-esteem um, and took quite a while to recover from right. that, you mm-hmm. know, just being torn down because he couldn't say the truth. He couldn't speak his truth about his sexuality. Yeah, I mean, I have guys that are still, you know, are probably from the same generation. Now, I don't know how, well, he was 10 years older than you. But I mean, I'm talking mm-hmm. to a lot of guys that still are keeping all that stuff under wraps, even with their wives of 30, you know, I mean, yeah. you, he must have sensed that you were super open-minded and he could tell you, right? And you were okay with it. But at that time, you know, most people would keep that under wraps, maybe because you were living in a city, right? You were around more like-minded people that were more open, right? But it was a time where I think people still kept it. Most of these things, you know, a secret and people didn't tell people stuff. Well, and I found this even, you know, with most of my leg show readers, um, they would often contact me, you know, saying they'd been married for 15 years or something and they really, really wanted to suck their wife's toes and they just couldn't bring it up. They couldn't tell her. They were sure it would end the relationship. They loved her, but they wanted to do this. Yeah. And it was it was a wedge between them. And you know, my own my own attitude towards life that you have to take risks. You have to take these chances uh, to to live your life fully. I'd say you have to do it. You yeah. know, just talk to her about it. Tell her you love her. Start with a foot massage. Say that you're attracted to feet. Say, you know, that that you are attracted to her feet. Yeah. Make it personal with her. And guy after guy after guy would come back and tell me, oh, she really went for it. She, you know, she understood. She knew there was something wrong. She was worried it was something bigger. Right. Um, and that it, oh, there was a, there was a great, great, reader um lived down south he'd been married for a long time and he had been writing and then his wife got cancer we went through that whole thing and she died and he was just devastated he wanted to kill himself i you know was supportive of him through this and then he met a new woman and he came to me okay i've met this woman and i don't as much as I loved my wife, I don't want it to be like it was there, that I had to hold all my secrets in. I want to start this relationship yeah. being honest. And so I, you know, told him a way to approach it. 
she completely went for it. And the, like, maybe two days before I actually left there, and they didn't know it, you know. It wasn't announced in the magazine until after I'd already left. Yeah. Um, he called me on the phone, and I, I usually discourage them calling me, but, yeah. you know, he and I had really gotten to know each other. And he said, I just want you to know we got married today. Aww. And I am so happy. I've never been happier in my life. It's all because of you. You know, you're the one who did this for me. And it was just such a wonderful ending to my time there. Right. That, yeah, to see this success, that he had finally found a truly compatible relationship, you know, emotionally and physically. Right, and he came to, he got to a new place at the same time you were, right? I mean, you both, had, he was moving on to his life in a very different way, and you had moved on at the same time. Do you have, yeah. because, I mean, you, you, you're still, right, producing content. You, you do these amazing mm-hmm. books at Tasha. Do you get people writing you there? Do you feel that you're helping people just in a different way at all, like in your life now? No, it's completely different. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no way, there's, there's no easy way to communicate with me. Right. Um, I get a few people on Twitter who will come and say, oh, you know, I love Diane Henson. I was a Lake Show fan. Yeah. Um, but no, no, for the most part, when people stopped writing letters, uh, it just all changed. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to know except for sales figures now, you know, what people like, how people are responding to things. Yeah, no, I know you did uh, a leg, you did a leg magazine, right? I mean, I feel like I, I read somewhere that you said that that was like, you feel like it was one of the most beautiful, but it wasn't for sure the book, most popular. The leg book. Yeah, the leg yeah, book, Yeah, the right? big book Sorry, of legs. Did I say magazine? Yeah, yeah it was, it, of the body part series, yeah. the five part body part series, it, it had the worst sales, but it really was the most beautiful. The pictures, you know, were were more artful because of the posing, because you're including the entire body, you know, and the um, stockings, heels, all the orientation of it. Yeah, I thought it was the most beautiful one. But um, you can't beat the big penis book. That was my bestseller of all time. <laughs> <laughs> was that the biggest sell? That's the big sell? The biggest uh-huh. sell- Followed by the big book of breasts, yeah. So breasts yeah. and penises, I feel like those are the two main things, right? Girls and their boobs and guys and their dicks, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Well, they're our most obvious sexual characteristics. They're the things that define us most basically and simply as male and female. Now, You know, these- the, leg is, the leg is subtle. The foot is subtle. Only 5% of people are interested in feet. Right. Now, did the, was this all your idea, too? Wasn't this all your idea, These the big book of the body parts? Wasn't this, like, something that you... Um, yeah. Yeah, that's yes, pretty yes. Yeah. Well, a guy I used to buy photos from sometimes at the magazines um, acquired the archive, the remainders of a huge publishing company that went out of business. So he got all these photographs from their magazines that started in 1959 and really peaked in the 60s. Uh-huh. So, but you know, they were strong in the 60s and 70s. So he had all these negatives and prints 
from that period. And he's the one who pitched to me because they did Big Breast magazines yeah. doing a book about big breasts. And, you know, I knew it would sell. Yeah. And particularly given that most of the photos were black and white and, you know, there was a lot of mid-century modern um, styling in there. Yeah. I knew it would work. And they weren't sure. Yeah, I, I pitched it to the company and it kind of like, oh, do you really think people like big breasts that much? I think, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, they do. Uh, yeah. and, and you kept it, it real. Was, it's all real big boobs, right? Yeah, and it was before it came out, a month before it came out, you know, they had already put the the, um, the pre-order ad yeah. up on Amazon, and it was in the top 100 bestsellers on Amazon for a month before it ever came out. Wow. Um, and after that, you know, the question was, well, what are you going to do next? Oh, it's going to be butts, right? I'm like, no, there's only one other body part that has the cachet of the breast, and that's the penis. And, oh, I got blowback on that. <laughs> no, you can't do that. No one's going to buy a book like that. Oh, women don't care about it. Men are uncomfortable with it. Nobody's going to buy that book. And, oh, you know, bestseller ever. Wow. Well, and what followed? What, what body part was next? All the body parts that you did? Uh, then the legs. Then I did legs. legs because I still had leg people yeah. pushing. And then after that was, um, then the butt and then the pussy, um, which the publisher Benedict thought was going to be the biggest seller. Right. But you know, he's, he's, he's more open than most people. The, the first review on Amazon was a classic, this guy who had ordered it, you know, he just went on and on. You know, well, it's a good thing they send it in, a, in plain packaging because who wants a 20-pound pussy book <laughs> showing up on their doorstep for the postman to see? And he went on and on. He thought it was going to be Playboy Girls. Right. I'm like, dude, the Playboy Girls are not showing their pussies. Right. <laughs> but, oh, he was so upset about it. And then there were a lot of people, they all have hair on them. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's how pussy comes. Um, but John Waters, you know, John Waters, yeah. the filmmaker, he bought like 20 copies and gave them out to everyone as Christmas gifts. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he saw the humor in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, and I just got an email, actually, from um, somebody contacted the front desk at our offices in Germany saying, um, I hope this email finds you well. Our company, Lemmer Press, researches online consumer demand for books and identifies out-of-print titles with high levels of reader interest. Yeah. Our research shows that there is a demand for the big book of pussy. <laughs> Oh, my God, hilarious. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> and what other, what other books are you finding? That is so funny. Mm. The Big Book of Pussies. I've never seen that one. I feel like my friend has a couple of them in his house. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was. I think it was the penis one. Um, I think it's a, those are great gift books, right? For sure. 
Yeah, and they're yeah. They have just worked in every every size, every shape, every version. We've done little ones, medium right. sized ones. We did three D ones. Oh, um, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can convert uh, still, you know, flat photos to three D. Um, yeah, it. <laughs> the guys who did um, who did the the big penis book three D though really complained because <laughs> they have to. They have to, by hand, outline every hair. Oh, <laughs> Can't my you get God. some shape, guys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I, I, now, I have to do a big jump because I want to make sure that we talk about this 24-year-old boyfriend. I mean, you know, because... Okay, and he's, he's about to show up here in okay. about 15 minutes. Okay, so, so let's just talk about that, okay? Because I have to say, for 69 years old, right, a lot of people that are calling me up, right, whether it's women that are going mm-hmm. in menopause, I'm 52, I'm losing my sex drive, like it happens, you know? how you? So I'm assuming that even at 69, you like sex, right? I mean, like that, like... I I do like sex. I I you know, I have a sexual identity. Yeah. I enjoy sex. It's always I've you know, I say it's always been my favorite drug. It's just it's so easy and available and exciting and all the all the physicality that goes with it is wonderful. Uh, you know, I've been also like lifting weights for 36 years. So, right. you know, I like I like the work of of sex, but um, I also use testosterone gel. Testosterone gel gives you a sex drive. Right. It works for men and women. And, you know, I've, I've used, for women, you can just use tiny little amounts. And you just get the same gel, Androgel, that men use. And then you just use a tiny bit on your arm. Right. And that and keeps it going. It keeps it going. And... But it's yeah, it's just the whole thing. It's the it's the human connection of sexuality. It shocks me that other female friends I have, even ones who, you know, had careers in porn, who've gotten older, they're like, yeah, I'm just not interested anymore. And a lot of it has to do with their their feelings about their bodies. Right. You know, that their bodies aren't as beautiful as they once were. They don't feel good about taking their clothes off, and so they just prefer to, to put it all behind them. But men are not that picky. You know, men, yeah. men want to sure. see that naked body. Yeah. And I have other friends who are who have imperfect bodies, who are older women, who are also dating young men. They have, you know, no trouble getting swiped by hundreds of men just like me, good-looking, yes. appealing young men. Older women have never been more desirable. If you look at the metrics on Pornhub, Pornhub re- releases incredible metrics every year about yes. who is using the site. Mature, cougar, MILF are always at the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I find particularly you know, you can't flee from mommy fetishes. Right. You can't flee from people who want to call you mommy during sex, things like that. A man who loves his mother is more likely to be loving and respectful to you. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, I, you know, I don't care. I don't care what, you're, what it is that you're fantasizing yeah. when you look at me. 
<laughs> as long as you treat me well, treat me respectfully, um, show appreciation, you know, you can think what you want. Right. And now you're debating him for two years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you meet oh, his yeah. family. He's met your family. I mean, like no, I'm- no, no, it oh, doesn't go okay. like that. Right. No, his um, no, his family is not um, uh, not open to this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, that's okay. He yeah. he knows my friends. I know his friends. Uh, his family is just a different matter, and. Yeah, I mean, we're getting together with some of my friends who are older than me tonight. Um, and we have a really, you know, he lives at home. We have we have a very happy relationship. That's we have a better relationship than I was in for 21 years. Um, we're able to cook together. We are able to, we're able to do everything together without the competition that I always experienced in my relationships with older men. Right. Yeah, well, this is a different generation. They were raised by different people, you know. I mean, we were, uh, even me, I mean, like most guys that I know were fucking narcissists, right? I mean, I don't know. They just, yeah. they had certain parents, dynamics that they saw, just made them who they are. Younger guys were raised by different kinds of women. So I think that they, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they feel differently about women. They have more respect for them. Yeah. And they treat them better, you know. Uh, and so that I think is the reason why you're sitting across from someone that's treating you better than you ever had in your life. But I think the reason why you're 69 dating a 24 year old is because you're that same person that you've been since day one, just somebody that doesn't give a shit about what people think that does what she wants, that lives life, right. And takes risks. I think it takes calls. And I think, but I think you stay true to who you are. And I think that that's amazing and has made you successful at everything, including your relationship. I'm, you know, when I was 24, I didn't have the confidence to to do this. I didn't have the sense of self. Becoming successful in my career Mm -hmm. really helped me in every area of life. Oh, it interesting. Was just mm-hmm. Validation. It yeah. was that true validation. And yeah, it was I mean, getting older, getting old, not just older, getting old yeah. has really opened me up. Uh it's been said that there are only two times in life when we are truly ourselves, in infancy and old age. Right. And in between we always have agendas. We're trying to please this person, that person you know, trying to fit in, trying to be accepted in our jobs, whatever. You know, I'm just at that point. It's like, I know that I can survive no matter what. I know that if something happens to this relationship, there's another one. I want this one to last as long as possible, but I also assume he's not going to want to be with me as I get older. Right. And I'm cool with that. Right. He thinks he, he thinks, he thinks he's going to be with me until I die. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. And that's wonderful, you know. And maybe it will happen. Yeah. But I'm not afraid of change. Right. You know that if it, so doesn't change, work, if it doesn't work out, you'll be okay. You'll be able to get through yeah. it. Yeah. I have my house. I have my career. I have my confidence. I like being alone. I I can talk to anybody anywhere, you know. 
I got to be best friends with the security guard here because he was the only one I saw during lockdown every day. Oh, my God. You know, he's not a person I would ordinarily, like, search out as a friend. But, of course. You know, friendships is, are always there. If you were ever looking for something new, I mean, and I don't know if it would feel like going backwards or something, but there is, like I said, there's there you could always tap into and get back in contact with those guys, you know, yeah, because they're still, like I said, out there. So I don't know if you ever feel like getting back into it or even start a podcast. I don't know. There's just everyone's doing stuff like that now. And I just feel like you could really help a lot of people if you ever wanted to. I mean, I'm sure if that's not the case, that's fine. But if it is, you know, I have thought vaguely every once in a while about what I would do if I ever stopped working. It's hard to imagine not doing what I'm doing. But when I look around and I see where there's need in the world, I see more like impoverished children. Right. You know, I I just like we there's so many like systemic racism in our country. Uh-huh. It goes right down to the cradle. It goes to people who are growing up on welfare and not having the things that other kids have and yearning for those things and being marginalized in society, unless we start at birth, we are not going to change these things. And that would be where I was most interested. You know, I would like to see mature women just getting in there and helping, helping young mothers who come up and are struggling to get back in the job market so that, you know, to provide child care. I believe right. the government should provide a, should be providing child care for the poor so that people don't grow up on welfare, so that women can get job training, get job placement, and the children can be taken care of so that we can improve our society. Right. You know? I know you wouldn't expect that from me. No, but but no, I think listen, <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> no, but I think that's like you know that's life. Like you, you go through different things and you change, and you're you know you it's you have it's a journey, right? And you you have helped yeah. different people at different times. You know, I mean, you yeah. helped Sissy Kimmy cuddling for three months. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. You just <laughs> I think that it's wonderful. I wondered, like, you know, I feel like, is there any place for my guys if they want to contact you? It's just Twitter, right? They could DM you on they Twitter. Can. They can. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yes. They can find me on Twitter. And uh, I think it's the Diane Hansen. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even sure what it is. You know, it just comes up on my phone. Um, yeah, they can find me there. And, you know, I'm always open. I'm always sympathetic. I respond to people. Um yeah, Sissy Kimmy is pretty much the only one who I who I kind of talk to on a regular basis about this now. We have remained friends. Um, yeah, that's great. Well, I think I'm going to probably, I do bonus episodes sometimes. I'm, I'm probably not just going to air this on my uh, Patreon. I'm probably going to air it, you know, mm-hmm. on my regular channel. So you'll, is that okay if I leave your Twitter in there, if you're going to get inundated by people DMing you? Is that okay? fine i think it's fine because the the company actually started my twitter account with the idea that i would be promoting books okay and i did initially and then i just you know segued into politics gun (laughs) gun control right things that matter to me yeah (laughs) 
So that's so it's yours and you do what you want and it's fine for people to reach out. Well, you know, I'm going to air it to everybody because I think it's a fascinating. Your story is really fascinating. I think, you know, even if you, you know, I didn't know Leg Show Magazine, but I I could talk to you for three hours because you're very inspirational. You should. Do you write your own books? Have you wrote any kind? I mean, Uh, I I write everything. I write all my books. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you do. But I mean, just about you, you know, your your book about you. No, everyone everyone says that, but uh, to me that seems egotistical. Um, I like to keep my ego under control. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm just telling you, and I, I'm going to appeal to the part of you that likes to help people. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it would be about you. I think it would really help other people. I think you your story and your views and the way you think about things and the way you see things and the lessons that you learn that you could tell other people, I think it would be very helpful. That's so I don't think it would be egotistical. Uh, you're, you know, you're probably right with that. Um, Benedict Passion has asked me to start writing, you know, a sort of letter from L.A. on the Passion website. And I immediately thought, oh, well, you know, I, I'll write about sexuality. And he's yeah. like, no, no, write about everything. So, you know, maybe that's a place where I can get into it. Yeah, and you could start doing it. Yeah, just you never know. But I mean, it was fascinating. Like I said, I I think that because just talking to you, you said a couple little things where it's just like, oh, I, I could have gone off for an hour in that life lesson that you talked about, right? And you speak from experience. And I think that that's like really amazing. And thank you so much for coming on my show. And oh. uh, Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, my guys, my hosters are going to love it and my regular audience is going to love it because like I said, I just think your regular story is super fascinating. So thanks so much. And we got to thank Andrew Einhorn for putting us in touch. Oh, yes, Andrew. Andrew is, yeah, he's he's one of my, um, my guys that I try and, uh, you know, send out good messages to, to. He, he could use a cuddle. Andrew, yes. if anyone out there, go cuddle Andrew. Wait a second, Diane. I just got to tell you really quick. I was just talking to him before because I was like, oh, I just want you to know I'm going to talk to Diane today. And we were talking while I was eating. And he was, I was like, have you got laid lately? He won't mind me saying this. Like, have you got laid? Like, when was the last time you fucked someone? He's like, no, I'm not really into that anymore. I don't like, he's just like, I just, like, if I could meet a girl that I could just do, like, nothing with, like, I swear to God, mm-hmm. he was just saying this, like cuddle or just tickle or just massage her feet. Like that would be enough. Like I would love that, but I don't want anything else. Like, I, you know, and you, so you're right on the money. He needs a cuddle. That's all he's actually He needs in right a cuddle. Yes. I can, I can feel it coming through him. He needs, and you know what? He would be a perfect cuddle date. He would. Uh, the yes. guys, the guys that I looked for, for cuddling were ones who were smaller than me. Yeah who were younger, who were shy, and where I could feel safe with them and could feel like, yeah, like I was giving them positive energy and then I would get their energy in return. That was great. Yeah, very supportive. That would be, that's everything, that would be Andrew to the T. And every single thing that every point that you said he would check off, right? For sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. When he hears this, he might just get on a plane and fly to LA. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet my boyfriend would be okay with me giving Andrew a cuddle. Oh my God. All right. I got to tell him, make sure when you listen to the episode, you stay to the very end. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Right. Because he's going to want to hear this. Thanks again, Diane. And I'll let you know when I'm going to air it. Okay. It'll be within the next like two weeks. Okay. Very good. All right. Thanks Take so care. Much. Bye. Bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle? 
or situation you can't talk about? To anyone, to anyone. Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.